welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie and I'm going to be your host and I'm here to tell you about the spooky shit going on in our world. So last Monday, I promised you guys that we were finally getting into more of a conspiracy theory side of things and not just true crime. And I am here to fulfill that promise by talking about spontaneous human combustion. Now listen, this is one of those things that's up there with quicksand. Like when you were a kid, you feared this. For whatever reason, you just thought this was going to be a much bigger detail in your everyday life than it ever was. So I wanted to deep dive in today exactly how this came about and why we were so obsessed with this when we were all kids. So if you don't know what spontaneous human combustion is, I'm going to tell a little story for you to set the scene. Imagine that you're coming home and you find your roommate or your girlfriend in a pile of ash with only their legs below the knee left over. Everything else in the room looks untouched except for this person. Over the past 150 years, it looks like we've documented about 200 cases of this. Listen, I learned about spontaneous human combustion from Ripley's Believe It or Not. Believe It or Not. I had one of those Ripley's books when I was a kid, which can someone please raise their hand if anyone else had one of those? Because I feel like a handful of us had them and we were obsessed with them. Well, I had one copy and it talked about a lady named Mary Hardy Reeser who caught on fire and spontaneously combusted. And we're here to tell her story and everyone else's that I can find. So we're going to start off by talking about Mary herself because I feel like she's the most popular case Like I said, she's the one that I read about in Ripley's Believe It or Not, and I actually think that the photo of her is in one of the museums. I am going to be sharing this picture on my Instagram, so if you haven't seen it and want to see it, go ahead and hop over there. But I remember coming across this picture many times, not only in my book, but also on the internet, because people were so captivated by this photo. So if you don't know the photo that I'm talking about, there is a very iconic black and white photo of this pile of rubbish looking ash with a amputated leg sitting on top of it. And I mean like below the knee, calf, ankle, foot and all, foot in shoe and all. All right, let's just get into the story. So it was July 2nd, 1951. At about 8 a.m., the landlady of Mary's home came by with a telegram. And she tried the door handle. I'm not sure if they were close and she was just going to walk inside or why she tried the door handle, but she touches the door handle and she notices that it's burning hot. So she immediately calls the police. And once police enter the home, they find a pile of ashes, remnants of a chair, and a walker next to it. Now, this is where they also found one of Mary's legs Through further research, I also found out that they found her backbone. And there's a bit of a mystery on what happened to her skull. So I saw a couple rumors that her skull was found completely intact, but had shrunken to the size of a tennis ball. Now I say rumor because this description was debunked by one of the firefighters on scene, but I've heard it so often that who knows, it's kind of fun to believe in. Now we're going to take a quick segue. If you know anything about shrunken heads, then you know that shrinking the skull isn't possible. I've done a little bit of research on shrunken heads, mostly just from seeing them in Ripley's Believe It or Not museums, and the process doesn't involve the bones. So what medical examiners and firefighters are saying would have actually happened was that her skull would have exploded, so they would have found fragments, not a tennis ball-sized skull. So at this time, they have no idea what's happened to Mary. They're not sure if this was intentional, if this was a murder, or what. 
This case was such a mystery that they even called in the head of FBI, J. Edgar Hoover himself, to work on this case. So on July 7th, they end up finding some glass fragments from the fire and also what they believe to be six teeth. And I say believed to be because I could not find out if that was ever confirmed to be her teeth. They also sent along carpet fibers and the shoe. Yes, the shoe from the amputated leg, which was a penny loafer style, if you were really wondering. You know, if I spontaneously combusted, then I would definitely hope that only my legs would be left behind, especially below the calves. I got good calves and I have tattoos on the back of my calves that I paid way too much money for. So, you know, they need to be preserved. Okay, but actually, can we do a whole episode on preserving tattoos? Because that shit is crazy. Have you guys seen that where someone will cut out the tattoo from their body and they'll like rub it in salt or some shit and literally save it? It's crazy. Like imagine I die one day and at my funeral, I'm just like, hi, friends and family. Here's one of my tattoos for you to take home with you. You know, 30 years from now, that's probably going to be an option. So some of the big questions about this case are number one, if someone's burning to death, why are they not running away? Why are they sitting in one spot? Because remember, Mary was sitting in her chair when she caught on fire. Also, the flames would have to be pretty damn hot to fully melt a body like that. And I'm not trying to say this in a weird way, just that we know this from cremations, that it takes excessively high heat in order to melt somebody. So then it started the theory that maybe she started burning from the inside out. Another theory brought up that she was struck by lightning. I mean, everybody is coming together just wondering what happened to this woman. And now, of course, the news is on top of it, and it's the biggest thing happening in the 50s. The news articles start calling her the cinder lady, which I don't love. Can we just call people by their names, especially when they have passed in a traumatic way? Imagine somebody that knew Mary finding out about her death by an article calling her the cinder lady. So now let's get down to the real facts and not rumors about her case. So number one is that there was no accelerants found anywhere around her or I believe even in the house. But other than that, they didn't really know what happened. So police ended up asking the public if anyone had any ideas. And it wouldn't be until 1963 that scientists come up with a plausible cause. So this is what they think happened. So we know for a fact that Mary was actually prescribed sleeping pills. We also know that Mary was a heavy cigarette smoker. And I get it, it's the 50s, you're smoking inside, but oh my god, why? Please don't smoke, period, or smoke in your damn house. Listen, you want to smoke a little green? I'm not going to be mad at that, but get the nicotine out of your body. And this is coming from somebody that used to smoke nicotine and got off of it. I promise it's way better. I can actually breathe now. (laughs) Anyway, so she was known for smoking and taking sleeping pills. So the scientist hypothesized that what happened was she probably took a sleeping pill in her chair, fell asleep with a lit cigarette in her hand. The lit cigarette would have caught her nightgown on fire, and because she was dead asleep, she just wouldn't have woken up. Which does explain why she wouldn't have been running around or screaming or anything. But what's terrifying is that this led me down a rabbit hole of something called the Wick Effect. So I think that Mary was one of the first known cases of the Wick Effect, But what the wick effect is, is basically the human body is full of so much fat that it burns like a candle. Meaning that if something like your clothes light and then your fat lights, it can keep you going for quite some time. And that's why it's termed the wick effect. Gross. And to make it even more appealing, as you're melting, 
your fat starts to soak into your clothes, making even more of a wick. And do you want to know how we know all this? Because you're going to find out because I need you to be traumatized with me. So we know this because they did some experiments around 1963. We learned from these experiments that it took over a minute for a body to light. And they say that this is because of the high water count in bodies. It like takes some time, I guess, for that to evaporate before the rest of you can catch. Even if that is how Mary caught on fire, everyone is still asking the same questions of how do you get to that temperature to where your body completely melts? And also, how does nothing else in the house set on fire? Normally, when spontaneous human combustion happens, it's in like a five-foot area. Well, Mary's daughter-in-law actually went in for a little interview with somebody, and we have this quote from her. She says that the cigarette dropped into Mary's lap and that Mary was on the heavier side, so the fat just kept burning as a fuel, and she claims that the floor was cement, so that's why nothing around her caught other than the chair she was sitting in. So they did end up ruling Mary's death an accidental death, but she's still talked about heavily today. So while doing some more research about this, I did find that around 1820, there was actually a medical book published where they talked about spontaneous human combustion, which leads me to believe that this has been happening a long ass time. And they point to three main factors for this. One of them being that most of the victims of spontaneous human combustion are elderly. The second factor being that most of the time they have alcohol in their system, acting as an accelerant without them knowing. And the third is that they're always a little bit overweight, so they have a little more fat on their body to burn. So from taking that knowledge, we don't know if Mary had alcohol in her system, but if she did, it would have caught a lot faster and been a lot higher temperatures than without it. So it wasn't until 1998 that they did an experiment on TV, on BBC TV. Of course it was in the UK, you know. But on TV, they wrapped a pig. I want to believe that the pig was already passed. They wrapped a pig in a blanket and they lit the blanket with a small amount of accelerant, and it just went up, and it burned everything. Like, the fat, the bone, all gone. And as horrible as that is to hear about, it does tell us that when something's wrapped up like that, it definitely could burn for a while. And this is where I just went down a rabbit hole of finding more victims of spontaneous human combustion, so we're just going to talk about all of them. So the next recorded case that I could find was in 1970. It was a woman named Margaret Hogan. She was 89 years old and living alone, just like Mary, when she was found on March 28th of 1970. And we get kind of the same story as Mary, where she was found with both of her knees cut off below the kneecaps. Now I say cut off, I really should say burned off. Basically her feet, ankles, and calves were still intact and that was all that was left of her. But things like plastic flowers and a TV that were over 12 feet away were warped and melted from the flames. But other than those two things, everything else around her looks untouched. And Margaret's case has still been deemed an unknown death. So Henry Thomas is our next victim. His death was recorded in 1980. He was 73 years old when he was found in a pile of ashes with only his legs below the knee left. This man was still in socks and pants, 
which I don't understand the pants on how that would work. I believe it would be more of a leg warmer at that point. Ooh, that was a bad, but I'm so sorry. I did not mean to say warmer. Ooh, ooh, my bad. Unlike the other two ladies though, Henry's skull was actually found at the scene. Now I couldn't find out if it was intact or exploded as we would know would happen, but they did say they found it. He was also sitting in a chair when he caught flame and the chair was half burned, but everything else around him untouched. His death was actually deemed under the wick effect. So they 100% think that that happened to that man. And it wouldn't be until 26 years later that we have another recorded victim. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't find the name of this man, but I believe he was from Dublin. They found this man with his chest and knees completely melted. The medical report said that this man was smoking a cigarette and had a heart attack, and I guess either passed from the heart attack or dropped the cigarette while having it. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but we know that much. And only a few years later, in 2010, another man was found. Now, I could find his name. His name was Michael Ferretti? If I said that wrong, I'm so sorry. And just like our past victims, he was elderly. He was 73 at the time of his death. And the coroner actually deemed him a spontaneous human combustion as his death. Which, I'm not sure, but that might have been the first time that that was actually deemed the cause of death. And not the wick effect or an accidental. The coroner even came out and made a statement that says, The fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for there is no adequate explanation. And honestly, this is where I keep running into these things, is people that just deem it because there's no other explanation how it could have happened. And yes, I understand that's exactly what spontaneous human combustion is, but holy shit. And now we're going to talk about an insane fucking story that I came across while looking up spontaneous human combustion. Also, take a drink every time that I say that. You'll be drunk by the end of this episode. But I found this story about these two little girls. Now, I will start this by saying I'm not 100% that this was spontaneous human combustion. I do think that there was some foul play at hand, but we'll get there. So Alice Ann and Amy Kirby were only four and five years old when they both burned to death at different properties at the same time. Yes, that's right. These girls were not with each other. They were in two different homes. Yes, they are sisters. And yes, they burned at the same time. So Amy was only four years old when her mother, Sarah Kirby, left the house for a few minutes to go get water out of the well. Now, she says she was legitimately only gone a couple of minutes when she heard her daughter screaming from her bedroom, where she says she then looked up through the window and saw her daughter on fire. And keep in mind, this was around 11 a.m. There was no matches or charred paper in the room and nothing to suggest how she caught on fire. They also noted that Amy was extremely fearful of fire. Now, Sarah, her mother, tells us, and I quote, If she had paraffin oil thrown over her, she would not have burned faster. Flames were a yard high that were coming from her. So she's saying that if she was covered in an accelerant, I don't think she could have burned any faster than she did. Basically just saying that I don't understand how this happened so quickly. Amy was taken to the hospital and unfortunately passed right before midnight. So while all this is happening... Alice Ann, her sister, had been left with Sarah's mother. 
She wasn't feeling well and had stayed in bed that day. Now, I'm not sure if that's where the girls always slept and they had a bedroom there or how that was going on, but all we know is that she was asleep at the grandmother's house. So between 10.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m., the grandmother says that she went a few doors down to where her daughter was. Now, I'm not sure if that's Sarah, her daughter, or if she had another daughter that lived closer. But what we know is, is that Alice was left for about 45 minutes on her own. And keep in mind, Alice is only five years old. I could never imagine leaving a child that young alone for that amount of time. Well, when the grandmother returned, she returned to find Alice Ann on fire with several of the neighbors around her. I say around her, they were trying to put out the flames. It's not like they were just standing there watching this five-year-old child on fire. But unfortunately, at about 3 p.m. that day after she was taken to hospital, she also passed. So both of these girls caught on fire within 30 minutes of each other, and both of them were deemed to have died from shock rather than the flames. Which is just so sad because that literally means that these girls were scared to death. So this case did go to trial just like any unnatural death like this. The foreman of the jury had asked Mr. Kirby, the husband, were the girls fond of playing with fire? He did tell us that Amy, the four-year-old, would whip, I put air quotes around that, I'm going to say she towed off her younger siblings for going near the fire. And this is when we learned that the Kirbys had a total of four children. So there was two kids that were younger than Amy. I believe these kids were three years old and 18 months old. So this was all very little children. I could not imagine having four kids under the age of five. God bless you. And that's coming from somebody who teaches pre-K, okay? I understand a three to five-year-old. They are hard. And then the coroner decided to ask how Alice Ann would respond to fire. And Susan said that she was very fond of fire, and she liked to stir up the fireplace and throw paper in it to make it blaze. Now, this directly contradicts what we heard earlier, but I will say it could have just been a miscommunication between the two girls. It does seem like Amy did not like fire and that Alice Ann did like fire. So Susan tells us that Alice Ann didn't have anything like matches or anything around her, but she didn't get to do a very thorough check because the rug where a match or something would have landed was used to put out the flames on Alice Ann by one of the neighbors. Meaning if there was something like a match on it, it more than likely would have gotten flung to another part of the room. So now the coroner is asking the question that we all want to know. The coroner is asking, hey, uh, grandma, why the hell did you leave a five-year-old for 45 minutes? And she didn't have the best answer. Basically, she said, well, she normally sleeps until 1230, so, like, I just thought it'd be fine. I don't care when a child normally sleeps to. If you are leaving the house, take them with you. I can guarantee you can find somewhere for a small child to nap wherever you're going. Especially considering you just went to your daughter's house. So either it's her kid or her niece. And the grandma further confirms that Alisand did enjoy playing with fire and had been, quote, whipped for playing with it before. I don't like how we just throw out the word whipped on children. Um, and if you did whip them, then you're, you're wrong, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out here that we are not for child abuse on this channel. And the coroner even asked the grandma, like, do you not think it was risky as hell to just leave a five-year-old alone for 45 minutes? And the grandma's like, well, she had not been up and I thought that she would go on sleeping up until noon. Uh, that, ma'am, ma'am, this sounds like a you problem. So we get an eyewitness account from one of the neighbors. Her name is Phoebe Ramsden. 
She lived opposite of where the fire was happening, so she watched this little girl through her bedroom window. She claims that she was watching the window when she saw this flame going back and forth until the flame came closer to the window and she saw a little hand come out from the flame. And that fucking killed me, guys. So she claims that she saw this little girl with her nightgown just up in flames. So, of course, she ran over and is trying to put out the flames on the girl as multiple neighbors show up from all the yelling and screaming. And this is when the coroner asked if she noticed anything around that she could have caught on fire from. She said there was no matches or burning paper, but there was a fire going in the fireplace. She says, of course, there was one of those fire gate grate things that go over a fire. You know what I'm talking about, like a flame shield. There was one of those, but it easily could have been moved by the child. And don't get me wrong, Phoebe said this in a way that's like, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but there was definitely an open flame left. You know what I mean? Now we do learn that apparently her nightgown was completely burned off and all of her clothes were then gone other than the garters right below her knees. So that means her tights on her calves and feet were still left intact. And that seems pretty crazy to me when you're thinking about a ball of flame. How does it not send up something like tights? So the jury asked the coroner, was there any fire in the house? Was there anything to indicate this? And he let them know that, yes, there was a fire in the fireplace near Alice Ann, and Amy was actually in the kitchen near the open flame on the stove. But the coroner told the jury that both the girls died from shock and not from burns, and the jury was happy to rule that as their deaths. So I guess that's where that ended. But one of the jurors does pop in and they were like, there's no doubt those girls had to be playing in the fire for this to happen. But another juror jumps in and they're like, dude, we have no evidence of that. I don't, I don't know what you want to do. And then another juror pops up with a theory that I think could definitely be true. The theory was that Amy was trying to keep her two younger siblings away from the flames, and as she pulled them away or put herself between them, caught on fire. So as I said, both of their deaths were ruled as shock and not from flames, so that was the end of that. And I just can't believe I had never heard about that case, because even if it truly was accidental and both the girls caught on fire from just open flames in the house, That's insane that that happened within 30 minutes of each other and your sisters. It's not like two kids from the same town or just two people, you know, no, two sisters in two entirely different houses. Yeah, I'm, I'm still stuck on it. I don't know either. And what's even more shocking is that I only found one article about these girls. And yes, I did confirm that they existed and that this wasn't just some story, but no one's really talked about them which is why I'm here and you're listening. So spontaneous human combustion, could it be a thing? Possibly. Could people just be lighting themselves on fire by mistake and we just have a lot of body fat so we end up melting? Possibly. We might never know. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy hearing about these stories and you like how I tell them, make sure that you give me a follow button and you hit that notification bell so that you're told whenever I post a new episode every Monday and Thursday. Also, don't forget to check out my TikTok if you want short little synopsises of these stories. But obviously the podcast gets you the real thing, so you want to stick around here. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you on Monday.